Hey, Anna, remember that time a black man was responsible for the greatest 45 minutes in sports history? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history. And I just had one of those times where I totally forgot what I was going to say there at the (laughs) opening until it came out of my mouth. I was sitting here for a hot second going, what do we we say? Oh, it happens to me every time. And it was fine. We're off to a great start. The second (laughs) I opened my mouth to start the intro, a car alarm started going off in the parking lot. So we had to just sit here and wait for it to stop because no one was out there to turn it off. At least 15 seconds. It was a minute. (laughs) I mean, I I took a breath. I opened my mouth. I went, and then it burned. So it's going great. I'm really, really tired today, you guys. I'm so sorry. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. We're in for it, huh? But you know what? It's Black, Black History, History Month. Month. Yay. We love Black History Month here on our podcast. Yeah. I always really enjoy these episodes because we just, you know, we went to public school. In, in a the pretty conservative state. and white state. The whitest state in the nation. Yeah. And, you know, it was like certain things we learned about, but never in depth. So even the stuff we knew about yeah. when we were younger, I still find that I'm learning, still learning about, about. Them, mm-hmm. those things. So I'm excited for these episodes. Yeah, me too. Shall we do a drink update before we get into it? Oh, yes, of course. I'm having some red wine because Excellent. I deserve it. Yes. Because <laughs> that I'm will having... make me more sleepy. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm having some water because mm-hmm. I deserve it. <laughs> I deserve to stay hydrated. I you do. yell towards children all day. And it really, it really hurts the voice. I yell in the general direction of children all day. Certainly. All right. Let's do it. Well, our first uh, Black History Month episode is also very on brand for right now because of the Olympics, because I'm going to talk about Jesse Owens. Woohoo! Different Olympics. Different. Oh, much (laughs) different Olympics. But um, this is exciting. I don't know if anybody out there knows this, but I love the olympics oh few people love the olympics like anna loves the olympics <laughs> i'm sure i talked about it during the summer olympics because Pro- probably i just love it so much i bet you that was your modern times during the summer life it probably yeah I, well i don't know i can't remember but i really love the olympics i i am so tired right now because i we're recording this on a friday and i stayed up last night to watch hockey in the olympics yes it didn't start till late so um, I'm very excited about this one. Yeah, me too. It's 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 an interesting one. Um, I'll also say um, we kind of forgot we needed to record this week, so this is probably <laughs> a briefer overview than I would have got had I had a little more time. Oh my like God, I feel we like I would have really found. Behind. Yeah, I feel like I would have found like a little more like dig into a little more stuff for him. So this might be a little brief for the man, but you know we're, we're doing what we can okay. here. We yeah, I texted Amanda literally like two days ago, and I was like. We haven't recorded yet. She was like, oh, right. So that's where we are. So here we are. Um, So we're going to talk about Jesse Owens. Yeah. So James Cleveland Owens is born to Henry Cleveland Owens and Mary Emma Fitzgerald in Oakville, Alabama on September 12th, 1913. Uh, And you might be thinking to yourself, his name is not Jesse. We'll get into that in a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nor is his name a name that can be shortened to Jesse. <laughs> I mean, um, I get, you could get there. And we will. Um, <laughs> yeah. He is the youngest of 10 children. Um, and he is the grandson of a slave. So his... An enslaved person. An enslaved person, yeah. So he is a direct, like, yeah. very direct descendant. Not, far not very far removed at all. Yeah. yeah. And he's still living in that, like, not that far post-Civil War South, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so he and his family moved to Cleveland, Ohio when he's nine as part of the Great Migration, mm-hmm. which if you do have not studied 
United States history is the period of time where a lot of black people were moving out of the South and to the North looking for and better to the work. West and to the West, yeah, to the yeah. West. looking for better work than they could find in the and better conditions in general. Yeah, although in the like still very segregated. South, sorry, yeah. we let you down there too, but yeah. you know, yeah, it wasn't uh that much better in the North, but it was <laughs> right. better, so it was something. You know, the margin of improvement was not high, but yeah. Um, and it's after moving here that he gets the nickname. So this is the okay. story. Um, when his new teacher asks him to, for his name, for her to like put in the roll book, he says J.C. Because he used ah, to go by J.C. for James, James Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, okay. But because his southern accent was so strong, she thought that he said Jesse. And then oh. it just became a nickname and it stuck huh. for the rest of his life. That's how he became Jesse. When he was real little, he was J.C. And then he moved up north and he became Jesse. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his, like we were saying, it was difficult to find work for a lot of black people in America at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, his parents were employed, but not steadily. So he took on a lot of like odd jobs when he was a kid. So he to would, contribute. Yeah. Yeah. He would deliver groceries, load freight cars. Uh, he worked in a shoe repair shop for a while. Um, his father and older brother work in a steel mill. Um, sure. which is consistent work, but not great money. So he tries to, you know, right. help with the little odd jobs. Um, and it's during this time that he like finds his passion for running when he's a Can't kid. And, yeah. Cannot um, relate. I hate running. Same. I despise it. Same. Deeply, deeply despise it. Mm-hmm. I love watching track and field at the Olympics because that's that to me is so amazing. Yes. Like there are lots of feats of athleticism that I really admire, obviously, because I love the Olympics. Gymnastics, figure skating, crazy difficult. Track and field is like I can't I couldn't even get enough interest in that sport to attempt it. So watching them be so good at it is like Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's truly mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, you know, he starts running uh, in his junior high school and then through high school. And his coach had to let him uh, practice in the mornings before school because he worked all those right. jobs after school. Right. Um, when he's 15 years old, he meets Minnie Ruth Solomon at Fairmont Junior High. And they date pretty consistently through high school. Um, Ruth gives birth to their first child, Gloria, in 1932, and then they get married on July 5th, 1935. And eventually they'll have two more girls. So he marries his high school sweetheart. Love that. Um, that was just a little jump ahead because that's when they meet. Um, so the first time he gets any sort of, like, national attention for his athleticism, um, is when he is a student at East Technical High School in Cleveland, and he equaled a world record of 9.4 seconds in the 100-yard dash wow. and long jumped 24 feet and 9.5 inches at the 1933 National High School Championship in Chicago. Wow. So as a high school student, he's already setting records. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you I, know. It's not, it's not crazy in terms of, like, the age, I think, because, it, I mean, hello, look at what just happened at the Olympics. Like, we just watched, what is Nathan Chen, 22 or something like that? Yeah, I 20, think so. 23. And he broke a world record. Like, he's young, right? Mm-hmm. And young people break world records all the time. It's like, for me, the amazing thing is that, like, high school competition level. Yeah. Where he's doing it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. When he's not, like, had... Also as much or as consistent training as some other people. The competition isn't as yeah. high. The training yeah. isn't, like, elite. So that's amazing. Like, that's yeah. a pretty strong talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes to college at Ohio State University. Boo. Man, boo. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're from West Virginia. Um, he has to live off campus with the other black students. They're not allowed to live in the Ugh. same dormitories. Um, and when he travels with the team, he has to stay at quote unquote black only hotels and eat at yeah. restaurants like that because it was still so everywhere was so segregated. So crazy. Even in the technically more progressive north, it was still so segregated, you know? Oh, yeah. We were mm-hmm. not immune to that. No, 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 no. Um, it's just like 
you know he's the one winning for you, right? Yep. Well, and speaking of that, he also doesn't get any scholarships for his athletic abilities. Breaking world records. Yeah, yeah. Why would you? Through college. He doesn't get any scholarships. So he has to work part-time jobs whole way through school so that that's a a lot of what I find really impressive like you think about these young people that we see you know breaking and setting records now and you think well it's because they've been doing this for a long time from a place of more uh, a a certain place of privilege certainly more privilege than than they would have ever had at this point yeah yeah um a certain place of privilege you know like having families able to spend money on your sport and or willing hiring. to sacrifice their money to or time your for your yeah. sport. Yeah. He doesn't have any of that. Right. You know, he's not, not only is he not getting rewarded, he also d- doesn't have the yeah. time that other people do because he has to work. So still seeing him achieve he, this much is very impressive to and me. And you know that, you know, that saying, black people have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And that yes. That is so true in this Absolutely. Instance. Like yes. he's working four times as hard yes and getting some recognition but still not anything he really deserves Mm -hmm. it's very sad to me yeah frustrating yeah so on may 25th 1935 he establishes well establishes slash ties four world records in less than an hour oh my god it's incredible wild so he's competing in the Big Ten meet in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, Big Ten, sorry. If you're not yes, from America, that will be confusing. So there, it's like a conference that certain colleges are in. The Big yes. Ten is like a very well-established like college conference here mm-hmm. in the States. So Clearly like, it's been happening since 1935 and before. Yeah, yeah. like OSU, Ohio State University where Jesse Owens attended and like Michigan, I think University of Michigan is in the Big Ten. I can't remember. Yeah, because this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ann Arbor, so yeah. Um, Like, have been really well established, and and they're very, like, it's a very high level of competition for college Mm -hmm. athletics. Yeah, and Um, all the college sports have yeah, the Big like the Ten competition. Yeah, like, the football team is yeah. Big Ten, and, like, yeah. yeah so. so this is the Big Ten track meet. Right. So, here's, here are the records. He ties the world record for the 100-yard dash at 9.4 seconds. Which he had already done. Yep. He sets world records, again, at the collegiate level, setting world records. Not Uh, not not collegiate records. Not collegiate world records. Just entire world records. Um, Sets world records for the long jump at 26 feet and 8 fourth inches. The 220-yard sprint at 20.3 seconds and the 220 yard low hurdles at 22.6 seconds he was also the first person to complete that time less than 23 seconds so he was like ever yeah yeah wow and then this i found really interesting um both the 220 yard records may have also beaten the metric records for the 200 meters oh, which could count as two additional world records in the same right. performance technically wow. so he technically set five records and tied one that's wild yeah that's wild yeah. um and it, it has been referred to as the greatest 45 minutes ever in sport. That's like well, yeah. what it is often called. I can't imagine witnessing that kind of thing. Yeah. Because you know how I get uh-huh. like, okay, so when it comes to like history making moments in sports, I get very emotional and like worked up. I can't, I can't imagine. I can't mm-hmm. imagine. Like when Liverpool won <laughs> the league a couple years ago, I was so emotional. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I can't imagine watching a feat like this. Yeah. Well, and I also find that really ha- interesting because, you know, you think about those greatest ever feats and you think about them happening at the Olympics. At, Generally, yeah. Um, you know, major competitions World like the Super Bowl or the yeah. World Championship or whatever it is. Um, you know, you don't the, think about it happening at college sports. Now, now no. people break, like we said earlier, we referred to earlier, like college records all the time. Like, yeah. And I've been like, you know, when I was in high school, a bunch of my friends ran track, so I would go to their meets, and I saw some of them break like state records mm-hmm. for high school level. Uh huh. But 
world yeah. records. Yeah. Including like professionals. Yeah. Unheard of. Unheard of. Well, and then also I think, you know, it, it gets called the greatest 45 minutes ever in sport, which I think is accurate. You know, if I heard that and didn't know what event it was, my first thought would not be track. No, I would think and soccer. And field. And so that I also find I would find think soccer. Yeah, you're amazing. right. That it, that it was, I would only think soccer because that's a half. Inside, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But yes, I know what you mean. Like, mm-hmm. that's not one that you would generally, your mind would go to. Yeah, if you were just thinking of that. like, oh, what sports would, a, would a great and epic, amazing thing happen and right. track is not the first thing I think Especially of. in America, you would think yes. that, like, like I said, like soccer, maybe, but in America, maybe like baseball, baseball. probably. Yeah. Um, maybe football, but or probably even something not. more like gymnastics, where somebody maybe, is, yeah. maybe, Although, you know, I don't know. That's a little different. It's not yeah. like uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different, but yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. So that's what it is. It's incredible. Yeah, um, so. obviously because of this, he gets recruited into the Olympic team for that right. year. Right. He starts training for the 1936 Berlin Summer Olympics. Now, did he have did he participate in trials or was it just he I'm picked? not sure. This was one of I those things that I don't know how it worked then. I I don't either and this okay. is one of those things where I would have liked to do more digging but I ran out of time. Okay. Sure. Um to go back and do some more research on like how he got onto the team. I basically uh, my reading was just like and then he went, right? So like I, I was don't, trying to I just to, don't know how it worked. Me then. either. Me either. Cuz um, now he would have to do t- trials right. to make the Olympic team. Right. But you have to imagine with all of this acclaim, even if he did have to go through trials, it was going to, that oh, was going to yeah. be the result, he, right? It wouldn't have been a big deal to go yeah. through trials. Um, so the 1936 Berlin Summer Olympics, hotly contested. Yeah. Because this is shortly after Hitler comes to power in Germany and is starting to like implement the Nazi regime, right? World War II has not started yet. But it is very, it is right there. I have right there. so many feelings about these Olympic Games. I'm yes. going to try not to freak out. But yeah. Ahead. Well, and a, I, a lot of the, the famous, um, I would say famous feelings about this Olympics comes from Jesse. And I not all of them, I thought about doing but. an episode just on these Olympic Games. I, which I think would be excellent. So that, that's possible. Yeah. But. Um, so the NAACP starts a movement for black athletes to boycott the games, right? Um, And this is a quote I I found, arguing that an African-American should not promote a racist regime after what his race had suffered at the hands of white racists in his own country. Fair enough. Right on the money. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, indeed. Um, So after a little while of the, this, um, this, movement from the NAACP it's not an official boycott yet but they're working for a boycott boycott. yeah Yeah. um Owens gets on board yeah Jesse is like Mm -hmm. yes okay um and so he here are a couple quotes from him uh if there are minorities in Germany who are being discriminated against the United States should withdraw from the 1936 Olympics um but eventually him and other black members of the team end up going because um the president of the American Olympic Committee brands them as un-American agitators. I mean it's what yeah. the politics of these Olympics. Yeah. Man. Well I mean, and it's like you're already in such a a politically fragile position. position as a yeah. black man going to these Olympics that like as soon as you get labeled as un-American, yeah. you know it's not There's just Nazi Germany gone. that we're concerned about. There's also a lot of communism that we're concerned about right now. And so it's like, uh, oh, it, are the, oh, no, what happens? Yeah, it like it, it could be career ruining. So you just kind of have to go along with it. It could be life threatening, yes. frankly. I, oh, oh, yeah. It's so intense. And this is a time where it's like everybody knew what Hitler was up to. But but nothing was like official yet. Yes. So it was very... Yeah, it, man, if you've never seen footage from these games, mm-hmm. it's like bone chilling to watch. Yeah, well, and we'll talk it, a little bit more so about bizarre. Hitler so here bizarre. as we go. Yeah. 
So, uh, after being, you know, basically told you have to go, uh, he sails on the SS Manhattan, which is like weird for me to think about that they used to have to sail on big, big boats to go to the Olympics anyway, um, and arrives in Berlin to compete in 1936. Uh, when he gets there, he actually has like a ton of fans. A lot of, um, German women love him. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of a lot of just like the average German people are huge fans of him. Really interested in in him and his huh. achievements. I imagine it has to do also probably like probably with his personality. Like they really like yes. to play up. Yes, you know the celebrity aspect of athletes. At yeah, the Olympics. Well, so and you think like even though the Nazi regime is setting in, the average German person are still just like people. A little in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also sure for some people who were more into the Nazi ideals, it was probably kind of novel. I was just going to say that. You I know, know exactly what you mean. They probably, like they probably felt viewed like, him as like a minstrel, you know? At, like, you're totally right. That's definitely part of the attitude I'm, I'm certain, which yes. is like... Oh, scary to think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and sad, because it's like, come on. He's one yeah. of the greatest athletes in the world. Come on. Yeah. Um, I did find this really interesting, though. Um, just before the competition starts, the founder of Adidas uh, convinces uh, uh, Jesse to wear, you know, some new Adidas shoes. Um, huh. And this is considered the first sponsorship for a male African-American athlete. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, we'll talk a lot, you know, as we go through here about Jesse's time in Berlin. For the most part, he was decently well treated during the Olympics. Uh, well, at large. <laughs> though the attention of the world is on them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about dictatorships and the Olympics. I mean, hello, we're in Beijing right now. Yep. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. Um I won't. Well, okay. If you do an episode that's just this Olympics, we can get into that a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about his accomplishments while he's there. Uh, He wins a total of four gold medals while he's at the Olympics. On August 3rd, he wins the 100-meter dash with a time of 10.3 seconds. So not his record, but still good. On August 4th, he wins the long jump with... uh, 8.06 meters which if we go back to the terrible american system was only like (laughs) three inches short of his record so it was pretty close um on august 5th he wins the 200 meter sprint with 20.7 seconds and on august 9th he wins as a part of the uh team for the four by 100 meter sprint relay i love just as a side note I love the four by one. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite track and field event. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, the relay team together sets a world record for 39.8 seconds wow. during the competition. Amazing. This is a little aside that I found super interesting and terribly unfortunate about oh, the no. um uh, about the relay team. Oh, okay. So um the head coach of the team replaced two Jewish American sprinters. With Jesse Owens and um, Ralph Metcalf. Metcalf, um, Metcalf yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and so Jesse initially protested the switch, but again was basically, was the assistant was coach overruled. told him, you'll do as you're told. So wow. they had, and, and I'm curious if they got rid of the Jewish American sprinters for image sake or for safety's sake. You Probably know, a like a little bit of both. Honest. Yeah. I mean, that so he w- sucks because yeah. how amazing would it have been to see oh. them oh, just, win oh, there? Ooh, this would be so good. But but also, like, would they have performed up to their potential because of, like, the fear that they were probably feeling? That mm-hmm. that you kind of want to, for me, like, what I fe- would feel is, like, I want to protect that in them, yeah. but I would not want to remove them. You know, like, that's yeah. really complicated and really sad. Yeah. Really so, sad. So one of those goals he wasn't even really supposed, supposed to, to have win. won because he wasn't supposed yeah. to be on the, the team. Yeah. Um, and then also, before we keep talking about the Olympics at whole, here are some fun facts. Um, okay. His record of four gold medals is not matched until Carl Lewis wins the right. gold in the same four events in right. the 1984 Olympics. Um, 
And then his his long jump record that he uh, had at the Big Ten event that he set mm-hmm. um, stands for 25 years. And is beaten by Ralph Boston at the 1960 Olympics. And Jesse actually witnesses that record being broken. He's at the Olympics and he's um, in the stadium for that particular event. So he gets to see it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I think sometimes people think that athletes don't want to see their records broken. But I think if you really love the sport. Yeah. You want it to improve and you want to see the people that you influenced like surpass you. Yes. That for me, I mean, I don't know. There are probably some that are like, well, I want my record. But Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, what I see from athletes is they're just like overjoyed when somebody Mm -hmm. is and getting to see it is cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I think it's cool that like he gets to see it. Not only his record get broken, but also at the Olympics. So he gets yeah. to see another American athlete win gold for that same event. You know, I just yeah. think it's, I think it's cool. And I'm and another African-American athlete, right? I think. Yes. Right? I need to look that up because I don't know sure. him as well, but I think he is. Ralph Boston, 1960. Yes, he is. Yep. Yes, he is. I thought so. I thought so, that's too. That's pretty I just cool, sure. too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Hitler for a minute. <laughs> a, a real solid only segue. On, only on a history podcast. Yeah. Let's talk about Hitler. Um, that, so, that, ugh, that yeah. pill. So if we don't curse on this podcast. Or Hitler only ever arrived at the stadium to congratulate the German winners and not any of the other winners. So mm-hmm. the whole thing was that like the first, at the first medal ceremony, he came and he only congratulated the German winners and then he left. And then the Olympic committee was like, if you're not going to congratulate other winners, just don't come anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, he like came the second day and then left early because they were like, leave if you're not going to congratulate them. And he came and like watched some, but he didn't ever go up to congratulate winners after that first day because he was told not to basically. Like if you're not going to come congratulate everyone, just don't come interesting to me yeah because again if we're gonna talk about dictators at the olympics like my thought would be most dictators would show up Mm -hmm. and would congratulate all of them because it's about everything is about maintaining image Mm -hmm. right and with the whole world watching you you have to shake the hands Mm -hmm. and you have to congratulate them because Otherwise, it's too blatant. And in a way, it's evil because Mm -hmm. it's all about, like, protecting your image and protecting Mm -hmm. your ability to manipulate and control Mm -hmm. your audience. Like, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Right. But at this point for Hitler, blatant is where he is. Right? Like. I know. I I guess. But I just think. I just think tactically it's a bad move. If I'm put, you know what I mean? Like yes. to, to just put it in that kind of yeah, yeah. space, like that does, that seems too bold to me. Yeah. Based um, on the, based on the importance that most dictators would put on the, I mean, it mm-hmm. means the world to them Mm -hmm. to maintain this particular type of image Mm -hmm. but that's just how like how far gone he was at this point and that is really telling his whole goal with these olympics was he wanted to prove german supremacy so he wanted the germans to win every event because he wanted to prove that their athletes their white aryan athletes were superior to the world's athletes he tipped it too far yes I think, like it, okay here's what i'm trying to say if other dictators were looking at that they'd go you played your hand too soon mm-hmm. that's what they would say mm-hmm. does that make sense i'm yes. not trying to say like he yes. did wrong or right because it's all wrong yes but what what i'm trying to say is like from a political tactical stance, standpoint yeah. that seems like uh, other dictators would be like <gasps> yeah what did you just do yeah. You know, that it's like wild to me that he was that much like, nah, forget it. Yeah. We're past that. It's yeah. like, it's wild to think about. Yeah. Um, so 
Hitler is not coming to congratulate the athletes. However, there are like a billion. I was reading so many interesting stories about like Hitler, like recognizing Jesse in some way, like, you know, like Mm. tip of the hat. You know what I mean? So here are a couple of those do you anecdotes. do you think that's because he was so well liked by the public there? Uh, yes, I think so. That's what well, I would and think. also some of these, like as we keep talking, several of these are completely unfounded. Um, okay. they're just they okay. they were just like news reports. People like okay. it just kept like spiraling. So let's just like talk about it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So this isn't this is a quote from Jesse, and I don't know how true it is, but this is a quote from Jesse. Hitler had a certain time to come to the stadium and a certain time to leave. It happened he had to leave before the victory ceremony at the 100-meter dash. But before he left, I was on my way to a broadcast and passed near his box. He waved at me and I waved back. I think it was bad taste to criticize the man of the hour in another country. That's what Jesse says. Ooh, that so gives me chills. I know I hate that. So he says, like, we looked at each other and went, hey, and then like kind of moved on. Like he was just like recognizing the world leader as he walked past him, basically. And that the world leader was just like, you know, waved back. Um, and again, like this this kind of only came up after a lot of like really crazy reports. So maybe he was just sort of like I don't know how accurate that story is. I see is. what you mean. He's yeah. kind of trying to... Just be like, yeah, we recognize each other. the story, yeah. but not... To, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but some of the other stories got, like, really, really crazy. Like, some say that um, they saw Hitler saluting Jesse, and then yeah, the crowd, right. like, went wild. Some yeah, even say right. that Hitler shook, shook his hand and then sent him an inscribed picture of himself. Like, yeah, obviously right. not. There is yeah, no... Right way there is no way um hitler actually is very angry that jesse is as successful as he is because like i was saying he's trying to show how powerful and successful nazi germany is and like there was a quote um from his uh one of hitler's advisors that i read that i like literally wouldn't repeat because it was so foul talking Uh, about just like you know the belief that black men uh, can't be like at all athletic it was gross like so his people were on record of being like no so like obviously none of that no was happening um but i liked this quote because it says jesse is sometimes credited as quote single-handedly crushing hitler's myth of aryan supremacy (laughs) damn right which i think is not inaccurate it's okay (laughs) i did it i couldn't help myself (laughs) it's it's a little one that's a little did it that's just a little guy um but I think that that's not inaccurate. There were lots of I other agree. success successes of black athletes at this Olympics. But um, they weren't as popular. No. Or no. as just like spotlight, you know, like yeah. really the four medals by this young kid, like who was world really record. like, you know, yeah. yeah, a world record holder. Like, I really think that that's pretty accurate. He, it, I think that that's his legacy. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like a lot of other dictators would have chosen. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to play it up a little bit, act like I like him. Like, now, that's mm-hmm. what they would do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Hitler was so deep into his white supremacy, that would never happen. I mean, he would... Right. I mean, he was just... Disgusting. It wouldn't happen. It yeah. just wouldn't happen, because yeah. he's an insane person. Um, Yeah. So like I was saying before, while he's in Germany, he's allowed to travel and stay in the same hotels as the white athletes. Um, and then this is I, this is so nuts to me. So he's in Germany. He's staying with all the other white athletes. Who cares? He returns to the U.S. He's greeted by the mayor of New York City and there's like yep. a parade in his honor. But then after the parade... He is not allowed to enter through the front doors of the Waldorf Astoria and has to travel to the reception in his honor through the freight elevator. They will not let him take the main elevator to the reception for him. Yeah, if you ever wondered how deep segregation ran in this country, look no further. Yeah. Like, we want to talk about how disgusting all of the white supremacy was in Germany yeah, in 1936, it, absolutely. Yeah. But then he came home to yeah. be treated worse than he was in Nazi be, Germany. What? To be literally paraded around as this symbol of American success, but still not reap any benefits of his quote unquote American success. And, and that's why it's frustrating because it's like, well, it's not American success, it's his success. Yes. Because he did it in spite of 
you of, <laughs> right, of in America. spite of this country yeah, yeah. and how they treated him. Um, yeah. And that's very much the theme for the rest of the episode. So let's kind of get oh, into Oh boy, that. here we go. Um, so FDR invites Olympic, you know, the president invites Olympic athletes to the White House and like greets them. Doesn't yeah. invite Jesse. And so Jesse, like four gold when, medals. Yeah, okay. when okay. all of those um, rumors about Hitler were going around, you know, a lot of people say that Hitler snubbed Jesse, and Jesse was like, "Hitler didn't snub me. FDR did because he yeah. didn't invite me to the White House to shake my hand." You like, know that's bad. You know, you that's, know bad. that's bad. That is <laughs> that's not a, good. <laughs> that's a bad look, bud. Yeah. Um. And, and, you know, also because of this, Jesse was a Republican. And remember, this is back um, before the parties flip-flopped. Yeah. Um, and so the Democratic Party was like, will you come and um, uh, endorse the next Democratic candidate? And he was like, no, I absolutely will like not. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when he returns to the U.S., he decides he wants to try and capitalize on some of the endorsement offers that he's well, getting. Yeah. Um, and he's also which so, by the way is how a lot of olympic athletes then make their careers after they compete. Yes. Right? Um that's how they make a lot of their money after they compete. I mean it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So this is um, not a weird thing to do for sure. No, but he's still um young and college aged. Yeah. So a lot of the competing he's doing post olympics and with the like kind of post olympic team yep. is amateur it's competing. Yep. So the U.S. athletic officials are really angry that he wants to try and capitalize on these endorsements, and they withdraw his am- amateur status. Yeah. And that basically ends his athletic career. Yeah. Because. That was also, t- I mean, to be fair, that's been true for a lot of athletes. Yes. Um, like a lot. But yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, frustrating um this is a quote that i think just put it well um owens argued that the racial discrimination he had faced throughout his athletic career such as not being eligible for scholarships in college Mm -hmm. and therefore being unable to take classes between training and working to pay his way meant that he had to give up on his amateur athletics in pursuit of financial gain elsewhere so you know other people from that olympic team who were amateurs who were traveling and competing as amateur athletes athletes had other ways to make money right. not through their athlete or their athletics and they and could, could, well, continue, they could continue because they didn't have to worry about money yes could continue right. training as amateurs until they became professionals he right. did not have that choice right um so he didn't get to and continue also, training as an amateur to then become a professional because he didn't have that option and also it's kind of like Hey, don't you think you owe me a little bit? Because I didn't get any scholarships for being literally the best runner in the country, basically. In the world. In and the maybe world. I'm no, I mean when he started college. Yeah. And and I mean like uh, don't you think you owe me a little bit that I could take on some scholarships because you or some sponsorships because you won't give me money for school? Yeah. Like you owe me this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously they don't believe they do, but that's the attitude. I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he has a lot of trouble finding work after the Olympics. Um, He's prohibited from making appearances at amateur sporting events. And then his commercial opportunities start to disappear because he... Sure, because he's not competing. Not competing anymore. He's not popular. Um, He works as a gas station attendant, a playground janitor, and the manager of a dry cleaning firm for a while. He also races against just other amateurs just like for entertainment um and he also races against horses for entertainment which we'll come back to in a minute um and then finally after a while a friend uh willis ward who was one of his competitors from the university of michigan uh (gasps) big rivals yes uh brings (laughs) jesse to detroit in 1942 to work at the ford motor company as assistant personnel director um, huh. So that he gives him a little more of like a career job for a little while. Right. Um, uh, he works for Ford until 1946. And then in 1946, he joins Abe Saperstein in the formation of the West Coast uh, Negro Baseball League, mm. um, which was a new league. And he is vice president and owner of the Portland, Oregon Rosebuds. The Rosebuds. Franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, soccer team there now is the Thorns. 
Really? Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, from the, I, the women's soccer team, anyway. I don't know. Yeah. He tours with the Rosebuds, um, and again, like, as he's touring, sometimes entertains the audience, like, between games, um, and competes in races against horses. It's a thing. Sorry, the men's team is the Thorns. Jeez, I'm so it's tired, okay. you guys. Okay. I'm sorry. I, or maybe they both are. I can't remember. <gasps> nope, it's the women's. Jesus, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's the um, women's. I know, Megan Klingenberg plays for them. I'm so, I'm, oh, you guys. My brain is mush today. I typed a sentence to somebody this morning on Slack, and then a full hour later, I was like, that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. That made no sense. Uh, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. I just, like, my brain started, like, freaking out. Okay, okay. go ahead. <laughs> um, The league dispan- disbands, though, only after two months. So yeah. he doesn't do that work for very long. Yeah. Um. And then this is what I was saying. He he tries to make a living as a sports promoter and an entertainer. So he'll, like, get in races with amateurs and give them a 20-yard head start and then beat huh. them in the 100-yard dash. Sure. Um, and then he races thoroughbred horses. So, like, him versus a thoroughbred horse. That's crazy. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, this, this quote is um, from Jesse... Uh, He says, people say that it was degrading for an Olympic champion to run against a horse. But what was I supposed to do? I had four gold medals, but you can't eat four gold medals. Yeah. And he is absolutely correct. Um, I mean, it's like, yeah, it is. So, like, pay me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So pay me to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing. mm -hmm. Like, but you won't. So what, yeah, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) This quote is on him talking about his lack of opportunities. He says, there was no television, no big advertising, no endorsements then. Not for a black man anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He does get a few product endorsements, obviously. Like, he is still very, very famous. An Olympian. Yeah. He's an Olympian. Yeah. Um, Even though he's finding so much trouble finding work, he is still a a major public figure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he he does get a few endorsements. Um, he gets product endorsements for Quaker Oats, Sears, and Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson. They'll snap up everybody, mm-hmm. let me tell you. <laughs> uh, in 1955, President Eisenhower uses Jesse as a goodwill ambassador. Um, hmm. okay. Which, if you're not familiar with that, it's basically just like, it's kind of just like a celebrity endorsement. It's someone who will just like travel around for certain, um, like... It's like the, for raising morale. Yeah. Or like a, awareness about a certain issue. You know how like yeah. the first lady always has like her thing. That's like her issue that she works on. It's yes. like kind of like that. It's like um, campaigns that surround a certain issue that they'll send or people like, to different um, countries about. Kind of. Think of it as like the um, the work that uh, like lower level royals in the British royal family. Yeah. Like, that kind of um, thing, except that it's like being endorsed by the government. Yeah. The government is saying, we are asking you to do this. For to us. go on this particular right. campaign for us in this area. Right. Um, so he sends Jesse to India, the Philippines, and Malaya. Is that Malaya? Uh, I think so. Um, to, this, is, this is the quote of what his... his goodwill ambassadorship was for (laughs) to promote physical exercise as well as astute the cause of american freedom and economic opportunity because they sent them to a lot of like third world countries basically it's colonialism yeah it's colonial i mean that's what it is um he he does the goodwill tours on and off through the 60s and 70s as well. So that's, you know, something that he he does and he Study. works on. Uh, we're getting to the, play, the point now for him where he's, like, closer to retirement age. And right. so he's still having money struggles, but he's just kind of doing a lot more of, like, public eye work that he can get yeah. at this yeah. point. Um, like I said before, he attends the 1960 Summer Olympics in Rome. Um and he continues to struggle with consistent work and eventually has to file for bankruptcy. And in 1966, he's prosecuted for tax evasion. That makes me so sad because, yeah, like, not only when he came back to the country was it, like, he couldn't, you know, get his sponsorships and compete. It's, like, taking away the competition 
he could have competed at more Olympic games. Yeah, yes, he definitely. Could this have. didn't. Ha- they didn't have to be his only Olympic games. Mm-mm. So it's like it's not just the financial opportunity that was taken from him it was also the opportunity to like continue to improve his compete at a high score. level uh-huh. yeah at this thing that he loved to do that that really frustrates that's me. the bu- yeah yeah it's like and he could have accomplished a lot more in the sport mm-hmm. i mean i i would never say like he didn't accomplish enough because that's not true he absolutely but like did. He, he probably could have so he probably could have gotten but to a he point to break the records that he he said exactly he, he could have broken his own records he could have done a lot more and that also you know. raises the bar and he for all raised, the other competitors, too. I was just going to say yes. that. He yeah. would have raised the level of competition for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if we're being honest about the long-term repercussions, like, we're at a very high level of competition right now in track and field. It could have been higher yeah. if this man would have been have allowed to continue, continue to compete. To compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about... If they would have made Usain Bolt stop competing after his first Olympics. Like, yeah. that's what we're talking about here. Yes, Literally, it is. he ran the same races. So, like, if for some reason he wasn't able to get sponsorships, mm-hmm. think about what would have happened to the sport. Yeah. And that is, like, I just think if you're having a hard time, like, picturing how completely decimated this man's career was, like, think about Imagine if they wouldn't it. have let... Imagine if they if Usain Bolt wouldn't have been able to continue competing. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we were at this Or point. Michael Phelps. Like that's another yeah. good another yeah. very direct like Michael Phelps is the kind of guy who is setting and breaking records but you know multiple what? times a day. But you know what? <laughs> Michael Phelps had real controversies. Yes. And was still allowed to compete and overcome yes. those because he was a white man. Yes. Yeah. So Yeah. Would have Absolutely. never happened to him. Mm-mm. Would have never, I mean, didn't. So. Yeah. It's just like, as a sports fan, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very frustrating to think about, like, all of the high competition that we missed mm-hmm. because of racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just in Jesse Owens' case, but, in you general. know, that's what we're talking about right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, this is just something I found kind of interesting. I'm going to read this, this just word for word as I found it because I thought it was well put. Uh, Owens initially refused to support the Black Power salute African-American sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos at the 1968 Summer Olympics, which I almost did my episode on them. Um, That would have been good. He told them, the black fist is a meaningless symbol. When you open it, you have nothing but fingers, weak, empty fingers. The only time the black fist has significance is when there's money inside, which when you think about his, uh, or there's where the power lies. That's the rest of the quote, which again, if you think about the life he's lived, that's not surprising. I understand why that would be his mindset. Here's Here's the rest of the quote. Four years later in his 1972 book, I Have Changed, he revised this opinion. I realized now that militancy in the best sense of the word was the only answer where the black man was concerned, that any black man who wasn't a militant in 1970 was either blind or a coward. Which, or, frankly, in his case, tired. Yes. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. And, and again, if because you, he, I don't, I wouldn't call him blind or a coward. Mm-mm. I would call him someone so beaten down mm-hmm. that, you know... I get it. Yeah. Get well, it. and I also find that really interesting because you think about we we have these images of the um, movements of Dr. King, you know, during the 60s and the 70s and Malcolm X and whatever. And it's, I think this is a really clear um, version of like how much uh, controversy and conversations were happening in the black community about the best approach like yeah they they did not agree about the best approach well i mean they'd never experienced having to like go through that before the people in the movement were like it's not like they had already done this once themselves Mm -hmm. so it was i mean it was they were figuring it out yeah figuring out how best to handle it and uh, um, and I and, and that is something we did not learn accurately no, in school no. because I don't know about what you were taught because you're six years younger than me so our education was a little bit different mm-hmm. even though we went to the same schools like all the way through college yep uh, but you know what we were kind of always taught was that 
there were two sides and one was correct. Yes. And that was MLK. Yes. And one was wrong. And that was Malcolm X. Yes. But again, that's where the education system in this country fails us. Because first of all, neither were wrong. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you think Dr. King was this, you know, quiet, pacifist, love, yeah. quiet, I mean, it, he just wasn't. So that's a whole other, yeah. you know, discussion. But I just but thought that was such an interesting quote and point because it, I think it really summarizes the feeling of a lot of black men at that yeah. time, especially yeah. older men who had been struggling with this for a really yes. long time. Um, I think there were a lot of men who had gotten to a place of any kind of financial security and and shared that opinion of yeah. I'm here, so I'm just gonna cut. We talked about this a lot with like Harvey Milk, right? Yeah, with the with all yeah. the queer liberation movements of this opinion of well, I don't have to be openly queer to yeah. to support. I, or- I am stable, so I'm just gonna keep my head down and keep moving. Yeah, and you know that's a it's a way to protect yourself. Absolutely. So you can't fault it, yeah. really. I mean, but it was more contentious yes. in the 70s because it was kind of like either you're with us or you're against mm-hmm. us and that and you know now we can look back in hindsight and see well it was certainly much more complicated than that but where you're in the middle of that movement yeah i'm certain it really felt that way and that's like a lot of pressure and really it's complicated yeah it's very complicated and that's yeah like you said it's like a really good way to illustrate kind of sum up that people that then opinion. must have been feel it because when we talk about that particular movement we talk a lot about the younger people mm-hmm. who were doing a lot of the work and you kind of forget about the people who came before them who were who really who were, were just grandchildren like, of enslaved up. people who had exactly. lived through the jim crow south and exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so um just just a couple quick more things because we're getting towards the end here um so in the in the months leading up to the 1980 Moscow Olympics, um, another interesting one. Yeah, well, Jimmy Carter, yeah, wanted to not go, um, yeah. because the Soviets had just invaded Afghanistan, and Jesse Owens tried, did not succeed, but tried to convince Jimmy Carter to withdraw that demand for a boycott. Because Jesse argued that the Olympic ideal was supposed to be observed as a time out from war, and it was above politics. That's what a lot of people argued. Though. Yes, it's a it's the opinion of a lot of of people. And you think about the, the his first Olympics in particular. Yeah, and you think about his yeah. first Olympics. It is not surprising that that would be a, an opinion he would hold. I think. Um, but that's I, um that's some interesting footage too. By the way, mm-hmm. you can find footage of of like athletes who were supposed to go to those Olympics being interviewed about it. It's like kind of, it's like really sad to watch. Yeah. Um, it's really sad to watch. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And again, like, yeah. not that surprising. He lived, he lived through two very yeah. controversial Olympic games. It's ga- so like, yeah. wild. It's so wild to be talking about this right now because for Beijing, which is where we are We're now. We're going through it. <laughs> well, there is a diplomatic uh-huh. boycott. So we didn't send any government officials. officials. Yeah. It's so, it's just um, kind of wild to be kind of experiencing, not the same thing. But something kind of similar. Something in that same sort of, like, realm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Jesse has been a pack-a-day cigarette smoker since he was 32 years old. Which is crazy for, like, a runner. Yeah. Um, but also, <laughs> you know. he was not 32 years old when he went to the Olympics. So. No, yeah. but it's still, like, crazy to think yeah. about. I imagine that would make you feel so bad. Yeah. Um, beginning in December of 1979, he's hospitalized on and off for several months because he has a very aggressive and drug-resistant lung cancer. Oh. And oh. he dies of his lung cancer at the age of 66 on March 31st, 1980 in Tucson, Arizona. What was that? I dropped something. Sorry. <laughs> I paused so I could cut that you out, just but didn't. I dropped something. I'm so sorry. You just didn't react at all. Because I knew and it was, was coming. Like, and so I, I just like, paused because I knew there was going to be a sound. And I thought, I'll just get rid of that. But then I'm I could so not. Sorry. That, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess up your editing. but <laughs> I was just going to let it happen because I knew I was, was going to be so, able to fix it. Well, but 
you didn't react, no. so I thought it was like something in another room. <laughs> no, and I was, was like, me. is somebody in your apartment? What's going no, on? No, I went like Sorry. this. I like gritted my teeth because I knew it was coming. I didn't see it. I just <laughs> wow. Okay. It's okay. Um so he is buried at Oakwood Cemetery in Chicago, and his grave reads Jesse Owens, 1936 Olympic champion. Um, and after his death, Jimmy Carter honors him saying, perhaps no athlete better symbolized the human struggle against tyranny, poverty, and racial bigotry. Yeah. And I just thought that was kind of, I thought that was a good quote to, to leave it on. Cause yeah. I think it, it really accurately sums up his story and his struggles. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good story. I, I, I knew some about Jesse Owens cause again, I'm a massive fan of the olympics so i like to look into past athletes and stuff too but Mm -hmm. certainly a lot of stuff in here i didn't know about so that was really interesting yeah yeah i just think i obviously had a lot of thoughts oh yeah absolutely i knew you were going to when i picked an olympian no my my partner actually suggested um the first black man to win a gold medal um which i think would have been a a, let me find his name i want to be able to to say it i just can't remember it off the top of my head let me see john baxter Taylor. yes john baxter taylor is his name um which i think would have been interesting it's just that there was not a ton of information on him because he uh actually died a couple months after winning his gold medal um that's sad yeah very sad uh but that sparked the idea of doing jesse owens i just thought that was um that was a good one. Good, good yeah. timing wise, because we were you already kind of in me. an Olympic brain. <laughs> you texted me and you said, we're doing Jesse Owens. And I was like, yes. Anna, Anna and I have been, Anna's deeper into the Olympics than me, but I have been deep in figure skating. So it's like, the, my yeah, brain is just. I'm not, I've been trying not to start talking oh, yeah. about figure skating because, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but that's just like what I'm my. deeply invested. So what my brain is on right now is it's, it's yeah. Olympic o'clock. So. It is Olympic o'clock. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah, that, man, that's why I'm so freaking tired right now. <laughs> it's bad. I woke up this morning and you know how sometimes your alarm goes off and it takes you a minute to realize like where you are and what's happening. Yes. I didn't have that experience this morning. My alarm went off this morning and my first thought was, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> You have to be kidding me that it is morning already and still my work week. You have to be kidding me. So that's where I am mentally. (laughs) Oh, boy. I mean, you just saw me have a complete mental breakdown over the name of a soccer team that I know. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I don't know what happened to my mind. So that's fine. Uh Uh-huh. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Um, I did. Um, next time for our last Black History Month episode this year, we are going to talk about Langston Hughes. Oh, I'm so excited. Whom I, you guys. Yeah. I uh, studied poetry in college and, well, we'll probably talk about it more next time. But I just, I distinctly remember the first time I read Langston Hughes. That's all I'll say. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about that one. And um, yeah, so we'll need some episodes after that. I mean, it'll be March, so maybe we'll do some Irish stuff because you know we love that. Or we've done women's history for March as well before, but we also talk about a lot of women on this podcast. So, you know, it's kind of always (laughs) women's history on this podcast. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, so we hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you have any future episode recommendations or anything like that, um, you can always email those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at RTTpod, um, or you can find us on Facebook if you want, whatever. I'm sorry, meta. Yeah. Um, you guys, I've been, uh, like, working with Facebook this week on, like, some stuff for my job, and that's been kind of weird. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so um, you, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Oh, you know what I just remembered as one quick thing at the end of this episode? We often shout out the Project for Awesome. 
And I <gasps> yes, think oh, thank by you. By the time our next episode comes out, yeah, it will be um, it will be right at our door. So the project for awesome this year, if you uh, have listened to us for a while, you know Ann and I are big fran- fans of the Green Brothers, and they do this big YouTube charity event every year. Um, and this year, it's the weekend of February twenty fifth. Is that right? Yeah, the last weekend of February. Yeah, February twenty so fifth. Start. It, yeah, it'll start on Friday, February the twenty fifth, and end at on the twenty seventh Eastern yeah. time. And it will end at noon Eastern time that Sunday. Yeah. The so if you're looking to um, be a part of a cool community and um, raise some money for charity and choose some charities to um, donate some some big funds to, um, that's always a great time and a great event. So we always love to shout that out here. So I just I just yeah. remembered it was coming up. So I wanted to give it a little a little. Thank holler. you. I yeah. forgot to uh, mention that. So. Yeah, we'll be participating. I'm sure we'll be posting about it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you know, come hang and talk to us about the Project for Awesome, we would love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, I mean, like Amanda said, it's a charity event. In the first half of the sort of, like, live stream um, that they do on YouTube, uh, we typically raise money for Save the Children and Partners in Health. Mm-hmm. So if those are um, organizations you're interested in, I would recommend donating during the first half if you're going to donate. And then in the second half, all the money that is raised goes to organizations that we as a community vote on. Um there will be videos uploaded to YouTube where you can like watch the videos people have uploaded about charities that they're interested in. And then you can vote on them on the website. And then all the money will basically go into grants that are then awarded to the top voted charities once they're properly vetted and everything. Um, So all your money is being really responsibly handled and going to some causes that you know are important, Mm -hmm. you know, to you. So it's really interesting it's been happening since 2007 which feels completely crazy mm-hmm. um so yeah um if you want to participate we'll be there yep <laughs> not yeah. on it no. but we'll be watching we'll be hanging out so. and participating and i'll be they'll be getting a lot of my money probably absolutely so. <laughs> okay all right well now for, for real now we're done so uh so until that next time remember that time <laughs>